shut the window? No, no, I'll, I'll melt if we shut the window. So, um, hello, welcome to the business community uh, from the rural idyll <laughs> that is Heather's office. Um, and in the background, you'll hear... Oh, they've stopped now. There we are, laughing, they may sheep well, making a noise. They may well start again. And I've got the squeaky chair. Oh, and motorbikes. And motorbikes. So it's all happening. It's all happening It's too warm to close the window. Yeah, so we're just going to have to put up with the noises from outside and uh, entertain you with our voices as well. And maybe you you won't care about the motorbikes, the farty chair <laughs> and the sheep. The sheep. <laughs> okay, so our discussion this week, Heather, we're talking about something... That seems a little scarily close to both of us, and that is business over the age of sixty. <laughs> yeah, we're not there yet, but I think it's something we need to be mindful of, or could be mindful of. Yeah, well, I'm hoping to reach sixty, so that's a good good well, aim. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the article that um, I can't remember who found it now. It was a few weeks ago we planned this. Um, it's about um, a study of two point seven million startups found that the ideal age to start a business. Um, was over 60 and that's from ink.com yeah I like yeah ink.com have some really good articles thank you ink.com for, yes for um, the fodder give you a name check yeah but but then I sort of went all over the place then after this oh it, did you down, the rabbit down hole down the whole rabbit hole but so 2.7 million startups that's quite a lot of businesses isn't it yeah so this is quite a robust uh, and it's not so much about um, the likelihood it, it, it's a combination of the likelihood of starting a startup and the success rate of a startup and I think that you know those they look at those two things in in tandem don't they yeah and then how many jobs those businesses create yes and we've talked a lot about young entrepreneurs and normally when you think of an entrepreneur you think of Stephen Bartlett yeah young yeah, yeah. young guys young girls young guys yeah but um, that's not necessarily always the case. So one fun statistic. A 60-year-old startup founder is three times as likely to found a successful startup as a 30-year-old startup founder and is 1.7 times as likely to found a startup that winds up in the top 0.1% of all companies. That's alarming, that, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, the th- but the th- with that fun statistic, then... It's not really bad. I wanted some examples. <laughs> yeah, so there's just statistics there and yeah. no actual... So, and these are the companies that are in the 0.1%. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. But um, the article goes on to ask why. And yeah. that's a very good question, isn't it? What was your instinct? Do you remember before reading the article what your instinct was as to why this was the case? Well, I I was thinking along the fact that we have got an ageing population Um and that maybe work-life balance has different meaning now. So, you know, people of our age and, and, and a little bit older might have worked in the rat race. I'm not saying people don't work in the rat race now, but we we might have tired of that and are now thinking, do you know what? Why am I slugging my guts out for somebody else? What yeah. have I got? What skills have I acquired that are transferable to a startup business. So I think that it's a combination of um, having had enough, looking for something else, mm. and, and then uh, the bit is taking the leap 
Yeah, and and maybe that that's part of it is that by the time you reach our age, maybe you are financially more secure, and so you're able to take a leap, or or as is often recommended, reduce your hours. Yeah. from one income so you can start building your house and the other it's rarely recommended that you just pack in and then and start, start no, again no. Um, but I think also by our age you've had a probably more exposure to life-changing experiences people you know who've had a serious um, illness diagnosis or even a pandemic yeah. look, look at the people reassess their lives don't you and to be fair we've been exposed to a number of those and um, perhaps more than the 30 year old will have been so maybe we've had more opportunity more cause to reassess what we're doing with our lives yeah i agree the one thing that i did find is that you know going back to the rabbit hole thing so i'm not not in, i'm not sure of the date that this was written but it's fairly recently yeah. that the um that the article was written, and you go, okay, that's fine. But then, when when I actually did a bit more research, this seems to have been a school of thought for quite a while. And I wonder whether that's some of the fallout from the 2009 recession, um, whether it's something to do with online businesses, and, you know, and the fact that you can... Li- I mean, I run my business off my mobile phone and my laptop. Yes, I have an office. Yeah. But... You know, the idea... Even of, 10 years ago, just having a mobile phone as opposed to a landline wasn't really, no. you know... It Whereas it's almost expected now. Yeah. That that's how people are running their businesses. That you can... Your office can be a coffee shop. Your office can be a hotel lobby. Mm. Um, oh, and your retail outlet can be a virtual warehouse. Yeah. So it's... May, I, I don't know. And, of course, that's still, that applies for young people as well as older people. I just wonder if it's a combination of those things. I was thinking about other things that you acquire as you get older, as well as chin hairs and, and a few pounds around the middle, um, is connections. Mm. So you, you've, as long as you haven't burnt too many bridges yeah. along the way, you've probably got a number of years of connections in lots of different places. Yeah. Um, even if you haven't done serious networking, there are still people that you know and maybe that can be helpful to you or, you know, can... can even, you know, just sharing things and, you know, passing messages on on LinkedIn or on social media. So hmm, maybe it's something to do with how many people you know and how many connections you've got. Or maybe the experience you've had. Yeah, well then, so then I, I found another article. Um, why older... How many articles have you actually read, well, Heather? I feel like I'm lacking here. Well, no, it's only because, as I say, I just went down this rabbit hole. Because when you, when you have a statement like that, 2.7 million startups found the ideal age to start a business is much older than you think. You know, it just poses more questions than it does answers. And yes, there's a load of statistics in that article. Brilliant. It's not giving me, as I said, it's not giving me anything tangible. Okay. It, yeah. yeah. And so, so, so I... You want of, names, names, yeah, don't you? Yeah, well, I yes. do, really. So I sort of fiddled around a little bit. And then you get into this, um, this idea that actually... It might not be true because... Oh, don't tell me that now. Well, because in the same way that we've talked about experience and knowledge and networks and been around the block a few times, that can be a negative, age can be a negative in that we might not be so good at disruptive thinking, we might not be so good at... You you might be thinking, oh, I've already done that, I've been there, tried that. Yeah, I've seen that before. Whereas when you're young, you have... 
often you have that sort of arrogance that it's original thought. Now we have aircraft, Heather. Yeah, it's well, at all happening here. We only need to worry if we get a boat because we don't need any water. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah. I'd, that is, on the other hand, yes, you can have the closed thinking, can't you? Yeah, and I think that, so, you know, so again, it's that sort of, um, and Just then... Prove it to me, Heather's well, saying, go on, prove it. Well, that's what I'm, that's what I'm interested in. Did, I, I am desperate to know, have you found the article that proves it? No, oh, no, shit. I haven't. <laughs> no, I haven't, and, and in fact, um, I did find... Um, an in-depth article that was looking at different geographical areas. The Midlands has the largest proportion of founders aged 60 plus at incorporation. Um, it's home to 61 high growth companies known to have been founded by entrepreneurs aged 60 or over. Um, and then they go on to talk about um, other areas. But, um, but so I wanted to Oh, right, okay, let's go back in history a little bit now. Did you go on a road trip around the Midlands trying to find these businesses? (laughs) I did. So I found a few examples of people who made... So Levi Roots, who we've talked about, age at first million turnover, 50. Okay, good. Duncan Ballantyne, that well-known dragon, first million turnover, 47. Sir James Dyson, 47. The founder of the Brompton Bike, 48. So... That's, to me, that's debunking the whole over 60. Yeah, because also, that their first million, it doesn't mean they started their company no, exactly. then. They could have been running that company for 20 years before they got up to a million pound turnover. Absolutely, absolutely. And and um, and then I started, started going, um, I didn't print it out, but like um, Colonel Saunders, you know, the Kentucky Fried Chicken guy, well, he started selling chicken at the age of 24, but didn't, um, like, start marketing it as a sort of franchise model until he was, like, 62 or something. Yeah. So, of course... So it wasn't an be... overnight success. No. There will, there will it's be... often the case, isn't it? Yeah. And, and, of course, the other thing that they haven't talked about in this article is that maybe when you get to 60, you might have already set up three failed businesses. Yeah. <laughs> or you might have sold... Successful but businesses. that in itself is incredibly good experience, isn't it? We, we've talked about this before. It's like you only see the success and not the yeah. trail of failures behind. And actually, you need to fail a bit to learn yeah. uh, how to, you know, how to not do it. Yeah. So that's that age of 60 setting up a business that doesn't necessarily, until, until they tell me they're all first time yeah. entrepreneurs. First time a, a success. Yeah. 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 Then... It, so I think it's interesting. Oh, I like that you challenged it. I just took it on face value. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I also like that it, um, it sort of plays into one of the areas that we've been talking about um, in, in, over, over the months is, is rebranding the way that we do the podcast yeah. and, and looking at older maybe older women who are in business, whether they're setting up business or having a change or or, or, or already fully entrenched in business. Yeah. But um, I'm thinking back now, people who've inspired us just recently, Anne Bowden, for example, yeah. with Starlin Bank. Yeah. Um, you know, so it, it's that sort of thing that's inspired us. And I suppose that's why I wanted to take this article at face value. But Anne wasn't a newbie in business, was she? She just founded her bank yeah. at that age. Yeah. yeah. And and that's that's normally I'm fairly high level with these types of things, but as I say, 
when you've got 2.7 million startups, that's a huge data set. And to make a a statement like that, yeah. then I, I kind of want to know Heather wants more. to dig into I the data. Dig into the detail. Oh, wow. But we're not going to anyway. We're going no. to go on to our review. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which actually covers some of the things that we've sort of been talking about in terms of experience and knowledge and going around the block kind of stuff. Yeah. I absolutely love this book. You have read it in its entirety, haven't you? I have. I read it on my Kindle. And I read it several weeks ago and since then have read maybe six or seven other books. So if I go a little quiet at times, it's because I'm delving into the dark corners of my mind to remind myself. And you've had a holiday. So. But I do remember how much I enjoyed the book. Now, you've got the hard copy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it doesn't look like you've put any post-it notes in there. Am I to read from that that you didn't like it or you haven't read it? Uh, that I haven't read it. Yeah. I have read excerpts of it online i have watched uh, so the book we're talking about which oh yeah sorry <laughs> is um is the power of thinking differently rebel ideas by matthew side 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 and um he i think we talked about one of his books before didn't we the art of thinking clearly no not that I know we've definitely talked about him before because before, um, yeah. I watched a number of YouTube videos to find out how to pronounce his name. Black Box Thinking. Yeah. This one. Matthew yeah. Side. Yeah. So I watched a little video when he was doing a virtual book launch as a sort of mini webinar. Yeah. And was really interested in what he was saying. I saw the same one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Really good. And I think um, he pulled out some of the key ideas from the book, which are really good. I was already halfway through the book when I watched that webinar. Okay, okay. So it made me interested in the way that he thinks and 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 what we already know we like the way he thinks. Yes, yeah, yeah. haven't enjoyed his previous writings. Yeah. Yeah. So what did you think, having read the book? You obviously read all of it. Yeah. What What did it leave you thinking? <laughs> or what, what impression did it leave you? The with? impression was my, my overall. Overall impression was that he had lots of very good um, evidence for the points he was making. Um, so he was talking a lot about 9-11 um, and the work of the CIA. He used lots of other analogies like that where and he was pulling on other people's work, certain things. Caroline Criado Perez was mentioned in there. You know, we've referred to her work on invisible women before so he, he pulls in a lot of good references and it doesn't just come across as him spouting an idea no it feels like a very well-grounded well-researched piece of work and i liked it for that yeah i like the examples that he gave um he was talking in the in the little webinar thing um, and that was during the euros um so it was very topical and this book has been out for a while and then was released in paperback. So it's not it's not like um, he's he's hanging it on the back of the euros. However, he was talking about how if you in business. Oh, he was part of the team, wasn't it? Gareth yes. Southgate's team. That yes. was why it was incredibly yes. relevant. Yes. Thank yeah. you for reminding me. So he talks about, you know, in business, um, the people that rise to the top. Have, you have the potential that they're yes men or they've all trodden the same path and so you don't get any original thought. 
So this committee that he's sitting on with Gareth for Gareth Southgate and the England team has got um, himself, has got... Um, Clive Woodward. From... Clive Woodward, yeah. Um, a cyclist whose name... Uh, for, uh, uh, Tour de France cyclist, uh, a woman who works in, in equestrianism, somebody from the army, yeah. really high-ranking individuals. But all about high performance, yes. but not in football. Yeah, yeah. And he mentioned that somebody had said, oh, I mean, all this nonsense, I know, you know... Um, Gareth Southgate's forgotten more about football than these people will ever know and it's like yeah but it's not about football it's about different ways of approaching yeah. the situation and that it's not only did it sound like a, it would be an amazing table to be sat at yeah. um, all that knowledge um, but it was it was true yeah okay get people who can look at things differently yeah I picked out a, a number of bits I'm so glad you reminded me about the football one because I <laughs> It, well, I was reading it while the Euros were on. I yeah. already had a lot of respect for the work that Gareth Southgate has done and, and his team. And this sort of underpinned it because he's been working with him since 2016. So, so obviously the last... Yeah, so they've, yeah. they've really worked um, and, and done really well with what they've worked on. Um, but I think the thing that um, swung it for me when, when he was talking about the CIA and about how... Um, they recruited what they thought were the best because they had this very certain profile of what made yeah. you the best, but which actually in reality meant that it completely lacked diversity, even you know to the extent that there was no gender diversity, never mind ethnic diversity or neurodiversity, neuro nothing yeah. like that. And they were going for a certain profile and had convinced themselves that that was the best. And um, I'm going to completely misrepresent this um so i don't know if he talked about it in the webinar so i'm going to try and paraphrase it but he was talking about an example of how when you get lots of different views how the sum of the parts is, is greater than the whole yeah. and i think he was using the example of um economists so if it, this is where I probably wish I'd rehearsed this in my head now because it's just come come to the top of my mind. Um, so if you take a, a lot of people's performance and you average it, you would think that uh, you, you know you're going to um, come out at worst than the best. Yeah. So for example, if you've got all the sprinters in the hundred meter race, yeah, the average of all of those times is going to be worse than the winner. Yeah. And, and what they found is that if you take a group of economic forecasters, for example, and you average all of their thinking and all of their output, you actually get something that's better than the best individual in that group. And that really blew my mind when I started to think about it. That, for me, really summed it up. Is that you might be okay just like going for, oh, yeah, we want the best single person. But actually, in certain things particularly economic forecasting, this wider range actually adds up, the average becomes more yeah. than one single person or one group of people thinking in exactly the same way. And there was other things he was talking about, how um, obviously in economics you often have people who've all been to the same 
college, the yeah. same school, they've been taught by the same lecturers, so they are all thinking in the same way. So it's really important to get diversity, even if it's not gender or ethnic diversity, even diversity of the, the type of person who's lectured you. Yeah, he, I did hear that, and he built on that with a brilliant example that I've quoted a couple of times in some of the training work that I've been doing. So he, he says that we're familiar with the term brainstorming, you know, when, when the boss says, right, everybody in the room, we're going to brainstorm the hell out of this, right? And it's the people who speak loudest whose opinions get heard. So he says that the thing to do is to get everybody in the room, tell them what the issue is, and ask them to write themselves, spend 10 minutes on their own writing down how they might solve the problem. And then you go around and get everybody to speak because the quieter, the quieter people will have equal voice as the louder people and that's where you really start to get into the best information and the best yeah. ideas the, the other point he made along that same lines is if if you get the boss in there um and, and he, he or she says something in that brainstorming then amazingly everybody else's thinking will gravitate yeah. towards whatever they said yeah so it's another important yeah. reason for one yeah. for the boss to shut up yeah <laughs> and that you present it in a slightly different way and he calls that um, constructive dissent. So encouraging people to challenge thinking, to actually say, okay, is that true? Or what evidence is there to support yeah. that? Or have we looked at other ways of doing that? And allowing your staff, encouraging your staff to say, don't accept anything on face value. That's when you're going to get those nuggets. And I guess that's kind of what's happening with the football yeah. um, panel that he's on. Yeah, um, there's a number of um, phrases that I picked out, um, which um, I gave up highlighting them in the end because there were so many that I really enjoyed. And I just thought, OK, I'll, I'll have highlighted about 300 by the time I get to the end. So just a few that I picked out. Um, creeping determinism, a form of hindsight bias, which refers to people's hindsight perceptions of events as being determined or inevitable. He used this initially when he was talking about 9-11, when they were looking back at it and going, well, this it's obvious that that's how we would see that. Um, and it was really interesting to see how actually the the, the re end result does seem fairly obvious with hindsight well because I, I read something today where they he, they were saying that the americans did not believe that their enemy could be living in a cave yeah in, in the middle of nowhere and actually they've got um, a recording of him phoning his mother and saying in a couple of days you'll hear some big news and you won't hear from me for a long time yeah. but they were so rigid and stereotypically you know white male certainly middle-aged middle yeah, type yeah. of people that they didn't go whoa hang on a minute they didn't have those those roots into other ways of thinking or understanding different societies yeah. uh, or even like the use of language so quite poetic language so why why would they write something like a, a plan to to cause so much havoc and destruction as poetry yeah but you yeah, know that, that, those cultural of, differences. Yeah. Another word, and I don't know how to pronounce this. So, homophily or homophily? I think homophily. It's where people tend to hire people who look and think like themselves, and it's validating to be surrounded by people who share your perspectives, assumptions, and beliefs. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, if we're honest with ourselves, we've all done it, yeah. haven't we? Yeah. Um, and. 
Um, perspective blindness, this refers to the fact that we're oblivious to our own blind spots and we perceive and interpret the world through frames of reference but we don't see the frames of reference ourselves so yeah. well that goes back to we've talked about yeah. unconscious bias haven't we yeah. so we, we tend to underestimate therefore the extent to which we can learn from people with different points of view and finally mirroring which i thought i knew all about mirroring mirroring from the nlp but this is um when you're encircled by people who reflect your picture of reality and whose picture you reflect back at them it feels nice and comfortable and it's easy to become more confident of judgments that are incomplete or in fact wrong because you're surrounded by people who are just agreeing with you yes, yeah 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 and sometimes you'll hear i can't think of an example now off the top of my head but my husband and i will often have conversations and you'll say yeah that's because they're surrounded by people who say yes great idea yes brilliant yeah. idea. yes oh yes let's do that because they're too scared to say, mm, hang on a minute. Or even don't realise. So don't, like that don't perspective that blindness, yeah, they don't yeah, even yeah. realise. They that, see it as, yeah, the yeah. truth, yeah. And I think actually a lot of the ideas in this book are brilliant, but really would push a lot of people out of their comfort yeah. zones to work fully with all of those ideas. Yeah, but, but I think, as with so many things, once you're aware that they're a thing then you can decide how much of it to listen to or to consider yeah, you or know to be what aware you don't of. Know. Yeah, and that's that, that's the biggie, isn't it? So, it's, so good book. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed yeah. it. I, it. It's a book that I feel I should read again. I, I read it quite quickly um, with the aim of having done this. We were going to have reviewed this a few weeks ago. Yes, yeah. Um, and, you know, so I was on, on the march through the book. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I found myself referring to it in conversations with colleagues. So it, it's definitely it one sticks. that I wish I had as a hardback. Yeah. As, not hardback, as, as an actual physical copy. copy. Yeah. 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 So that's Rebel Ideas, The Power of Thinking Differently by Matthew Side. So our profile this week is a guy uh, whose name sort of sprung um, onto our screens because I was talking about um, Revolut and and my extensive share portfolio. Do you remember? Oh yes. Where I've um, I've invested heavily in this company. Okay. Not too heavily, I hope. Well, unfortunately, it may be that I have because. Shares are, um, oh, they're slightly better. They're up 1.26% today. Okay. Yeah. How deep are you in? I, I got $9 in there. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I, th I thought some of my £100 investments were a pretty no, paltry, no, no. but $9. I, I decided to give myself a £50 portfolio to play with. Okay. Gold, some cryptocurrency and, um, and some stocks. But... Under Armour is the company that yes. we're talking about. And uh, the gentleman is Kevin Plank. Yes. So he's the founder and executive chairman of Under Armour. I didn't really know what Under Armour was until he mentioned his name. Are you familiar with their products, Heather? Uh, I have an Under Armour hat that I use for running. It's like a baseball cap. Yeah. Um, I think my husband's got a couple of Under Armour T-shirts. Sort of lightweight, wickable a wicking uh, t-shirt fabric hoodies yeah but that's I've, I've got a hat 
Okay. <laughs> or, uh, otherwise, I run mostly from um, Sainsbury's or Tesco's so running you, wear. You haven't contributed massively to his almost £2 billion net worth. No, but that $9 is in there. Oh, true. Wow. I think I'm doing my best. <laughs> so he's slightly younger than both of us, being born in 1972. He's American. He is a billionaire. And he's also, uh, as we so often see in these descriptions of people, also a philanthropist. Yeah, that, yes, quite right too, quite right too. But he didn't set out to um, um, set up a business, really. He did a, business, he, a, a degree in business admin, but he kind of um, uh, came to this business through talking to his mates, didn't he? But... One thing that I thought was really interesting is that he's obviously interested in sports. He had a roommate who was a football player and professional wrestler, which I think is quite a, um, a combination. Quite sweaty. Quite sweaty, yes. But unfortunately, um, this guy had an accident in the ring um, and Plank personally financed his customised wheelchair. So this was before he was mega, mega rich. So the... Um, the philanthropy, philanthropy. bit is, is probably part and parcel of who he is. Oh, well, I picked up this little nugget from um, Forbes, is that he came up with the um, the lightweight, as you mentioned, sweat-wicking yes. shirts yes. by using fabrics from women's undergarments. Oh! Did you know that? That was the inspiration. Big girls' knickers. Yes, big girls' knickers. Not the, second time, not the second time we've talked about that this evening. Okay, yeah, so he'd noticed the sweat-soaked shirts of his teammates. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I might have just got off into it a few times. I know, I know. Uh, He saw the sweat-soaked shirts of his teammates and thought of women's knickers. There we go. That's and what I was going to say. Yeah, why exactly. And, uh, yeah, he's he's got this now um, $2 billion net worth. He is married, ladies, and he has two children. Yes, one of them called Kevin. I'm, I'm never sure about people who name their child the same name. It would be like me having a daughter called Heather. Heather Junior. Heather Junior. I'm not sure about it. But it, Americans do it quite a lot, don't they? So, um... mm. so other nuggets from Forbes then. Yep. Um, apparently he got kicked out of his high school after an alcohol fueled brawl with another football team. Oh, OK. And he also served on Trump's Manufacturing Council, but resigned in August 2017 after the president failed to criticise neo-Nazi protesters. Yeah, he does appear to have a bit of a, a political bent to him. Mm. But not, not so far as to support Trump supporting neo-Nazis, at least. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah yes, yeah. Yeah, good. Um, now, we, we've gone from the external noise um, to the internal, internal noise, noise now with the, the, the Hoover. And the Hoover, yes. <laughs> so it, it's all live, it's all real. Might not be polished, but real women... <laughs> Talking. We're in amongst it all, We're in amongst aren't we? It, the yes. sheep, the motorbikes, the airplanes and the hoovers. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Did you notice that he also has uh, a business called Plank Industries? No, I did not. Oh, yes. What, what do Plank yes. Industries do? Um, uh, well, Plank Industries owns a business called Sagamore Development. 
Sagamore. Yeah, which was a 5.5. It is making me think of women's Sagamore. underwear. I, know. Sag- oh, I don't know where Sagamore. he gets his name from. Um, anyway, um, a 5.5 billion mixed use development project um, building um, uh, offices, residential areas, retail space, parks, boats, boat launches, etc. But then he founded a whiskey distillery in 2013 called Sagamore Spirit. He was initially approached about creating a vineyard, (laughs) but because he's a whiskey enthusiast, he asked his business partner to research whiskey (laughs) instead. I like that thinking, yeah. Yeah, I'm not interested in wine. How can we make... Give um, me some whiskey. Yeah. But, uh, and that has been... So is it Sagamore, not Stagamore? (laughs) Well, it should be, shouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Sagamore. And it's also got a, a hotel. Okay, um, so do you want to know his startup advice? Yes, okay. yes I do. Uh, so this is from fundable.com. Apparently he says, you need to put your hands around the throat of your business and you need to run it. There's no other way. Okay. Seems he... a little dramatic. Yeah. Well, did I not read that he stood down the CEO? Yes, so he's executive chairman now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He stood okay. down as CEO in 2019. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, to be perfectly honest, he's not the most interesting person that we've ever reviewed, in my humble opinion. Um, but clearly very successful. Did you see how he got the business got the name? No. Go on. Well, he wanted to call it Heart, but he couldn't trademark it. He wanted to change, uh, he wanted to call it body armour. Yeah. But he couldn't trademark that. And the, uh, his brother asked whether... <laughs> Hello. You need to finish, I'll drink. No, we did. Yeah, we did. Thank you. Thanks very much. Yes, that's... Well, there we go. That's the bin that's still... We don't need bin emptying, listeners, no. The one that's still doesn't... Anyway, I'll go back. Shall I go back? Yes, go on. So tell us how um, he came up with the name Under Armour, Heather. Okay, so he wanted to call it Body Armour, but he couldn't trademark that. And then one day, his brother said to him, why is that company you're working on, Under Armour? And the name stuck. And I was thinking about this the other day. Okay. Thinking about, like, sweat... Underarm. Underarm. Yeah, underarm. Uh, not underarm. Or. Yeah. And it's like, I actually, that's quite neat. Yeah, it's quite clever, isn't it, when yeah. you think about it? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So. <laughs> I can't believe how many months have we been recording this podcast in your office, Heather? It's always quiet at this time of night. I think it's a sign we need to stop for the night, don't we? Um, yeah, that's all we've got time for. And good night. That's all we've got time for this week on the business community. If you've enjoyed listening to this week's podcast, you can find out about all the things that we've talked about over the years at our website, which is thebusiness.community. We do hope you'll join us again next week for more news, views and reviews from the world of business. <laughs>